Am I on now? Yeah. Lovely. So good morning, everyone, on this sunny, sunny day. Let's pray. Glorious and merciful Father, we do thank you that we can celebrate Jesus. Not just at Christmas, but each and every day. Every day that we get up, we can feel his joy in us. We can feel the love and peace that comes through knowing Jesus. So Lord, as we begin to share in the word today, Lord, help our hearts be prepared. Help our ears be alert. Let our eyes be open to the wonders of knowing Jesus. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So today's message is Jesus' joy to the world. Let's um, find the clicker. The words of a famous carol say, Tis the season to be jolly. Now before you start queuing up for the Stop the Elder from Singing Fund, that's where I'm going to end that. But are there things that rob you of your joy, especially at this time of year? I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard to keep hold of my joy at Christmas. Some of us are stressing about finding the time or the money to do everything that we think we would like to do. I remember a time being at a particular well-known shopping centre, I'm not going to tell you what it is, late at night, queuing outside shops, waiting to get presents for our children before we had online shopping. Praise the Lord for online shopping. (laughs) Now we are stressing if Amazon's going to deliver our loved ones presents on time or if they're still in stock. So where can we find consistent joy? Today's message is called Jesus' Joy to the World. And the key verse is Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. What is joy? A couple of definitions. Google defines it as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And Merriam-Webster calls it an emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. The expression or exhibition of such an emotion, a state of happiness or contentment, a source of all cause of delight. But looking at what the Bible definitions look like, Strong's Bible Dictionary says in the Old Testament, joy denotes happy, glad, joyful, cheerful, rejoicing, festive, which is probably where we get our word for this season, festive. A shout of rejoicing, shouting, loud cheering in triumph. Anyone who's been to a football match knows about that. Singing, joyful shouting at a time of great victory. I'm so blessed that the worship team had those victorious songs singing before we brought this (coughs) message. And the New Testament calls it to benefit, profit and have joy. Now Tony Evans, an American preacher, defines joy as the feeling and expression of the inner celebration and satisfaction of the soul that transcends circumstances, a stability inside despite chaos on the outside. Amen. So let's look at why did people experience joy when they met Jesus? Now that you've got those definitions, have this in their head as we're talking through the scriptures. Luke 2 from verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Note the word all. 
The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, had been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognise him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So we can see there was great joy at the arrival of Jesus on earth. There will be even greater joy when he returns to make all things new. Moving to another gospel, Matthew <clears throat> chapter 2 from verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now these wise men, we can't say three because the Bible doesn't say how many there were. We know they were wise men. Have gone on this journey who aren't Jews. Remember that. They're not Jews, yet they're going to serve the king of the Jews. They're, they're probably our boffins of our modern day age. Boffins ain't the right word. Intelligent people. <laughs> top intelligent people of our day. So they're not swayed. This is, they're not going to see Dynamo the Magician. They're going to see someone who they think is who the scriptures talk about. <coughs> King Herod, on the other hand, is a very, very evil man. And they go to him first because they think, well, he's the king of the Jews at the time. He would know where the next king of the Jews is going to be. And he wants to send the wise men to find out where Jesus is. That's the summary. We'll pick up from verse 9. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with, and I added this word, ecstatic joy. Because that word joy doesn't really do it for me. Ecstatic. So these guys were really over the moon that they were going to meet a baby. Now, this baby hasn't done anything yet, but they're ecstatic to meet this baby. You know what ecstatic means, don't you, church? That's when you're jumping for joy. You're shouting to the fullest of your lungs because you're in the presence of someone you're really happy to see. These wise men were joyfully approaching the baby Jesus. They were finally going to meet the King of Kings. Every encounter with baby Jesus, the shepherds, the wise men, the prophets at the temple, Anna and Simin, were all joyful events. If we all know our gospel stories, when Mary had found herself pregnant, she went to see her cousin, Elizabeth. And then when Mary approached Elizabeth, it says in the Bible that the baby in her womb leapt for joy. A baby, not born yet. Jesus is still probably getting formed. And yet, even a baby is acknowledging this joy meeting this baby. Doesn't that blow your mind, church? You don't seem too excited about it. <laughs> Zephaniah 3.17 For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty saviour. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. There is great joy at the birth of any baby, but Jesus was no baby boy. He was the saviour of the world, God himself. And Jesus' arrival is a joyous and significant event in history. 
the God of all creation stepped in to be a part of it and the world would never be the same. Look at the different scenarios regarding Jesus' arrival, the expectation of the angels and the excitement of the wise men and the shepherds. Jesus still produces this for those who would encounter him even today. His birth brought the fulfillment of many promises, hopes and expectations, not just for the Jewish nation, but for the whole world. And his life, death and resurrection would usher his new kingdom, new life, and an undeserved inheritance and blessings beyond our imagination. So how do we experience God's joy? Before I go to the next slide, how do you think we experience God's joy? You can shout it out. If I mention Galatians, would that help? Galatians 5.22 But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. Joy is one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, a precious gift from God and one of the first fruit of the Spirit seen in believers. Don't you rest... Don't you remember, church, when, you first got, when God first got hold of you? <coughs> Weren't you happy? Didn't the sun seem a bit brighter? Didn't this, everything look more colourful? Even going to work was a joy. <laughs> oh, did I go too far? Did I do? <laughs> the Holy Spirit brings joy to believers, which is focused on God and not ourselves. And we experience this through God's salvation, the promise of eternal life, and the beautiful fellowship we will have with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 24. We haven't done this before. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. Praise and worship allows us to enter into the joy of experiencing and knowing God. It brings joy to God's heart when we offer worship to him. And we can pray for God's joy. And in prayer we can experience the joy of God. God gets the glory and we experience joy as he fellowships with us. I'll let you into a secret church. I sing when I'm in my car. An audience of one. But I sing. I sing to the glory of God. And I sing songs. So I'll make up some songs. By the grace of God. But I want to sing. Every time I, I, in my heart, I want to sing. You know? And then as I'm worshipping and I'm praying, it sparks, oh, I know that word in the song, let me sing that song. And it goes on and on and on. That's the joy of the Lord. That's not me. I'm not listening to the Radio 1 Top 10, 20 to get my kicks. I'm listening to the Spirit of God singing songs over me as I'm worshipping in the Lord. Try it, church. Believe me, try it. It works. A quote from Charles Spurgeon. When joy and prayer are married, their firstborn child is gratitude. I love that. The greatest joy of prayer is not seeing our prayers being answered. Though we love to see that. But the joy of prayer is engaging with the Heavenly Father. It's feeling His everlasting arms around us as we engage in relationship and communication with our Lord. Joy breaks out when we give ourselves to God. 
Once God's delight is experienced in us, we will never want to live without his presence. And the joy of the Lord is multifaceted. We have the joy of knowing him, the joy of engaging and walking with him, and we have the joy of seeing the works of his hands, not only for our lives, but the lives of others. A quote from A.W. Tozer. What I am anxious to see in Christian believers is a beautiful paradox. I want to see them, I want to see in them the joy of finding God while at the same time they are blessedly pursuing him. I want to see in them the great joy of having God yet always wanting him. Isn't that really great, church? It's not just about getting Jesus. Is that working? Barry's done. It's not about just getting Jesus. It's about walking and finding out more about him. You can have more joy now and then a year later you've had even more joy because you know more of the Lord because he's shown more of his wonders. He's shown more of his blessings. He's shown more of his grace and mercies to you. I think church, that's the reason the angels are always celebrating because they're seeing everything all the time of what God is doing. We see a little portion of it in our little lives, but they see everything what God sees. And that's why they're always bowing down because they know how big a God and how awesome a God he is. Amen? So let's look at a warning. What can rob us of God's joy? Well, there's quite a few things, but I would say these are the key ones. Circumstances. An attitude and outlook, that's your state of mind. And then a lack of faith and impatience. Unforgiveness, disobedience and unbelief will hinder godly joy. It is precious and we can allow it to be robbed from us. It is not a fleeting emotion but a choice and it is intentional. We have to choose church. You can either be godly and receive that godly joy or you don't. It's down to you. Fretting and worrying will wear away that joy. A quote from Good Dreams, God Dreams, U Version Bible Plan by Jeff Scott Wood. <coughs> there is no greater joy than knowing and following Jesus, but don't let anyone tell you it's going to be easy. You're really quiet, church. But it is true. I remember some really hard times walking with the Lord, and I would think I was a young Christian. And it's only because I knew he was still with me that I got through. I had to believe. It's not just about reading the, the happy stories. And that, I know Christmas is all about reading about the happy stories of the nativity. Yeah? But Jesus went through a lot, even as a baby. He was chased down by King Herod because King Herod wanted to get rid of the king. And he wiped out hundreds of babies to try and find Jesus. And then as he was growing up, his mother had to bear that, um, that stigma that she got pregnant. Yeah, yeah, we, were, we remember the virgin birth sort of thing. And he would have to go to school, and I'm sure the kids gave him a stick full on that. Throughout his life, he faced persecution. Throughout his life, he faced hardship. But I'm sure he was still joyful in every situation that he faced. Church, we can do the same. We have him in us now. Amen? Amen. Godly joy doesn't stem from an easy life, but that God is in complete control whatever happens. 
It is a sense of thankfulness for God's love, care and provision for us. And we are free to be the people God intended us to be in him. And we just want to rejoice with him for all he has done. James 1 verses 2 to 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Yes, that's what the scripture says. Opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. We do need endurance, church. We do need our faith tested. Because it will be. And you're either going to be ready or you're not going to be ready. Which would you prefer to be? Amen. That's the right answer. I would give out gold stars, but I haven't got any. Troubles can, give, can bring opportunities for us to experience joy in the Lord. And remember, this joy is not dependent on our circumstances, but it's joy taken from Jesus being our rock, strength, and refuge in our lives. Amen. Thank you, sister. There he is with us always, never leaving or forsaking us, and he perseveres with us. Church, that is the key. He perseveres with us. Now, when I say persevere, I don't mean he's putting up with us, though he does. What I mean is, as we're going through our trials and tribulations, he's with, right there with us. Amen. And sometimes he has to bring you down here before you realize the joy and the fullness that God has for you. So, church, if God is forcing you to get to the knee, stop fighting. Because even Paul says, in my weaknesses, I am strong. Amen? Amen. Philippians 4, verse 4. Always be full of the joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Church, rejoice. rejoice. Amen. Paul encourages us to be joyful in all we do, for the joy is not our own, but Jesus's. And we rejoice in him. The Bible shows that joy and persecution will go hand in hand in some circumstances. Now, before you leave your seat now, don't. Because at the end of the day, these circumstances, as we've seen in the scriptures, are to build you up and to bring you closer to the Lord and to know him better and to receive the joy and the peace and the love and the grace and the mercies and all the other gifts and blessings that God has for you. He wants you to know him. The book of the Philippians has a theme of joy. A joy in suffering. You notice that that's what Paul starts with? A joy in suffering. He doesn't give you the good news first. He says, this is the hard bit, but there's good to follow. Joy in serving. A joy in believing. Now, that's a strange thing for Paul to say. Joy in believing. Surely you're a Christian. That should be given. But he's encouraging the church to keep believing in the one who gives that joy. And a joy in giving. Paul uses the word joy 16 times in this letter. And it's one of the most positive books written in the Bible. But he wrote this while he was imprisoned in Rome, awaiting execution. Living for a greater purpose brings us joy. And there's no greater purpose than living for God. Paul understood the power and value of joy as we see in this book as he rejoices over them and his fellowship with them but he's also encouraging them to rejoice in Christ and in continuing to joyfully 
and willingly serve him. We can experience this joy even in our deepest challenges as we reflect in his presence on his goodness towards us. And this joy helps us follow Jesus at any cost, as Paul and the disciples did many times in the Bible. Obedience and faithfulness are key to experiencing and keeping godly joy. When we don't do what we know we should do that would please God, we will lose this joy. (coughs) Don't you find that, church? If I'm doing what I should be doing before the Lord, everything's going sweet. The minute I do something that I know I shouldn't do, that's the key thing, I know I shouldn't do it, it all falls to pieces. And my peace goes and my joy goes and the world just seems to cave in on me. And that's because I've taken my eyes off of him. And I know I shouldn't have done it in the first place. But here's the good news. If we lack joy, we need to ask God for his joy back in our heart. Remember Psalm 51? David, you know, he fell. And what was he praying for? That the Lord restore the joy of his salvation. That's the joy. God forgives, but we need to forgive ourselves. Proverbs 17, verse 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. When we have joy in our lives, we are more energetic and productive, aren't we? When we're happy, and even the world has caught on, we've got engagement uh, experts now getting paid thousands of pounds to do what the Bible's been telling you to do for thousands of years. Be happy. No, not be happy. Have the joy of the Lord, and you'll find that energy. You'll find that extra oomph that you need to get you through the day. When life is joyless, it's really oppressive and depressing. Do you agree, church? Yeah. When there's no joy, you think, I can't be bothered, I don't want to get up in the morning. Joy and love work and flow well together. When our focus is love, it's harder for the enemy and our circumstances to rob us of our joy. To experience God's joy, we do need to start to let go of the past. When I say let go of the past, I mean all the mistakes you have made. Just remember, church, they're made, they're done. You can't go back. You haven't got a time machine. You can't change it. Don't live in the past. Live in what God could do for you in the future because he wants to do better for you. So let go of the past. Worry less and pray more. I have to testify I need to do that more. I need to do that more. Worry less, pray more. Just get on with it. God wants to talk to you. And commit ourselves to God's purposes. Godly joy is a powerful force. But it does need to be developed with the help of the Holy Spirit. In hard times, allow godly joy to stir up your faith. An attitude of gratitude towards God will foster his joy in our lives. Be thankful. But I'd say be genuinely thankful. So, you know, when that person cuts you up, don't say, Oh, thank you, brother. You know in your heart you're not being thankful there. What you should say is, praise God, there wasn't an accident and I'm still able to finish my journey. That's genuine. Yeah? Why is Jesus joy to the world? Habakkuk 
3, verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. That's why Jesus is joy to the world. Jesus is the source of all joy. You won't find joy in money, sex, or power. Our joy is full as we experience Jesus' joy within us. He points the way to true, everlasting joy, fully rooted in God through the Holy Spirit. It is eternal and it's not dictated by emotions. It's not generated by us, but comes from God. It's much deeper and secure and very different to happiness. Look at the two. Godly joy comes from knowing and trusting God. It's really steady when you trust him with this. It defeats discouragement and it is lasting. But happiness is dependent on your circumstances. It's very unpredictable. Happiness is fleeting, I think the term comes. It covers up discouragement. This is the saddest bit. There are some really great people out in the world who generate happiness for others. And I've seen it so many times with comedians. You know? Robin Williams. Yeah, it is Robin Williams. There was Hancock. There was Peter Sellers. I mean, these were British and American. These comedians bring great happiness into the world. But they're sometimes the most unhappiest people. In the, and that is the sadness about it all. That their happiness isn't really real happiness. It can cover up a lot of discouragement. And it's very temporary. Happiness is very temporary. The Lord gave us this in John 15, verse 10. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Believers are joyful because the kingdom of God has arrived through Jesus. God is with us and new life came through his death and resurrection. And we see through Jesus how much God loves and cares for us. Jesus felt joy for his disciples despite what he knew they and himself would face at his death. For he knew the final outcome. He knew his death would bring ultimate triumph and freedom to many. So why is it so important for us in the kingdom to be joyful? Because God is seen for our joy in him despite our circumstances. His joy in us is a powerful witness to a world that is always trying to rob each other of their peace and joy. The kingdom of God is identified by this joy. Is that right, church? Are we different because of our joy? Sorry, you're really quiet today. I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's because I'm really hyped up because of what the Lord's doing. But considering I'm preaching about joy, you guys are really quiet. You know? So let me ask the question again. Church, do you think this is true of us? Yes. Lord of mercy. Thank you. As you can see, I'm smiling. I've got some joy there. Amen. Church, we are a kingdom of joyful people. We are. 
I can go into the office and I'm telling you, I have to face some pretty gruesome stuff with people sometimes. But I have to keep smiling. I have to keep being happy. Because at the end of the day, it's not because at five o'clock I clock off, which I do. But what I'm grateful for is that Jesus is with me. That's my joy. And that's what people are seeing in me. So when they're coming in grumpy, like Garfield, I hate Mondays. And I come in and I say, I've been to church. And I've got a smile on my face. That's the difference, church. We can make someone else joyful by allowing God's joy to get infectious. A smile, an encouraging word. We have that in our remit, church. God has given you a precious gift. So let the world see it. Everyone else is TikToking, Instagramming, Facebooking. Rubbish. You have the joy of the Lord in your hearts. Shout about it. Rejoice in it. Be that vessel of joy that God wants you to be. Hebrews 12 verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates the, and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. This is Christ-like joy. Enjoying for the sake of others to be victorious once for all time to bring many back to God. Through his sacrifice, all who believe in him are victorious, which is why we express such great joy and gratitude in him for what he has done for us. Church, how many of us in this church sitting here today are victorious? Put your hands up. If you think you're victorious today in in the Lord Jesus, put your hand up. Amen. We're all victorious in the name of Jesus because it's in his victory we live. Luke 15 focuses on things being lost, a sheep and a coin, but also the joy the person has when something or someone precious to them returns back to them. The last parable of the lost son shows how God sees us and the joy he feels when we return to him. Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost. He seeked out outcasts excluded from society, like tax collectors and prostitutes, all the mistreated like the poor, the lame, the sick, women and children. They were no longer invisible, but shone worth and value and made new, shining brighter than a falling star. When the glory of God surrounded the shepherds, they felt fear due to the power and holiness of the angel's presence. But in Jesus' presence, there was no fear, just acceptance, inexpressible joy and peace. God came to us in love, not wrath. He was justified to do this, given what we've done to his creation and we're still doing to it, and what we've done to his son. But God truly loves us and wants us to know him and be with him forever. And that is why we can and do express great joy at his coming. Psalm 126, verse 3. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. By communing with Jesus, we experience joy in him. We can experience his love, grace and mercies and rejoice in them. And we celebrate that almighty God has drawn us so close to himself, despite our failings and wonderfully redeems us and restores us to be a better person. 
He took the initiative and did what was impossible for us and reconciled us back to him. And he didn't need to do this, but it gave him great joy to do it. Romans 5.11 So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. That's the great news, church. We are now friends of God. God rejoices over us and he wants us to rejoice in him. So in fellowship, we mutually rejoice together in one another, he in us and we in him. The last quote for today. The greatest joy of a Christian is to give joy to Christ. The deepest joy of love is knowing you are bringing joy to the heart of the one you love. Isn't that true, church? Joy does not need to be fleeting like the passing of this Christmas season. And it will go quickly, church. Believe me. The day will come and go. But we can live in his joy all the time if we choose to. When we accept Jesus into our lives, the Holy Spirit presence changes us into a vessel of his joy. When someone gives us a gift, especially an unexpected or undeserved one, we normally feel great joy and even excitement, don't we? God has given us all great gifts all around us. His world, light, warmth, a place to live, families. And God gives abundantly and graciously. Jesus' joy to the world is a gift from God. The gift that keeps on giving. Joining Jesus is not just for Christmas. It's for a lifetime with him. So as I close, may you come into the joy of knowing Jesus' presence in your life. And may his joy become your joy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Glorious and marvellous Father. There is no greater joy than knowing the Lord. The presence of the Lord indwelling us. The almighty creator. The one who flung the stars into place. Who made chaos into order. Who brought love into this world. He didn't bring death. That was down to Adam and Eve. But he had love all the time. He loved the joy of creating us. He loved the joy of nurturing us. He loves to be with us. That's why he and the Son and the Holy Spirit had agreed even before he had created anything that they would have to save us. They knew what we would do. They could see the future. And despite what they saw us do, they still wanted us to be a part of that creation. Lord, the joy of your salvation is available to everyone. Jew and Gentile, man and woman, child and adult. All they need to do is ask you to come into their hearts, to come into their lives. So Lord, if there's anyone out there who needs your joy, the joy of your salvation, Lord, I pray they cry up to you now that they cry to you, Lord, be my joy, be my peace, be my saviour, because I need you, I need your joy, I need your salvation, I need your love. And Lord, for those of us who have already received a portion of your joy, Lord, I pray we pray for more. In this dark world, there needs to be more joy. There's too much bad news, there's too much darkness when there can be more joy, more light, more Jesus in this world. Lord, help us be those vessels of joy in this dark and weary land and let us bring refreshing 
Let us bring healing and let the love of Jesus touch another. In Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen. Thank you, church. Thank you, Colin, for your word. I love that analogy.